Here we go. It's another big week in the NFL for the New Orleans Saints. This is the Saints Wire podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Here's your host, Ryan O'Leary, and Saints Wire editor, John Siegler. Yeah, uh, you know, look, we've, we've got, uh, you know, we've got a firm plan for, uh, you know, the next week of preparation. Um, we're going to do that here in Dallas. Uh, you know, we've got, we've got uh, uh, you know, a practice, a place to practice and a place to stay for our team. And look, we're conscious of everything, I think, you know, when, when it comes to, uh, you know, preparing for an opponent. Uh, but, you know, the main thing is, hey, we, we get to have uh, uh, an NFL-ready stadium. And look, there's just so many variables. I don't want to get into all the variables that exist. But the main thing is to have a, a uh, you know, a suitable place to play that, that – you know, both teams have access to. Well, there's Saints general manager Mickey Loomis talking about the craziness that's going on uh, for all of Louisiana. Let's be honest, Hurricane Ida coming in. Just a lot of adversity for this team that I don't think it needed, but adversity for a lot of people, including my buddy John, who, John, I, I got to be honest, I was glued to Twitter, keeping track of you, and you, you put the peace fingers up. So I know that you and the fam had to get out of Dodge a little bit in the path of uh, Ida there. So how's everything going? You and the fam okay? Yeah, we're doing great. We drove back from uh, Birmingham uh, early Wednesday morning, uh, got up with the sun, hit the road, um, and everything's fine. So uh, we, we, we have power, we have a cold fridge, uh, the house is, is where we left it, so we got no, no, nothing to complain about, and we're, we're very, very grateful for all of that, and everybody keeping tabs with us. That's good to hear. That's, that's first and foremost. Um, unfortunately, the Saints, they don't have a home right now. Well, I guess we could call home Dallas. Is, is that what we call home right now? Um, they're going to be on the road here for a while. And um, I think the big story right now is, well, we know the team's going to be away from New Orleans for at least, you know, it sounds like three or four weeks. And we know their week one game that was supposed to be at home will now be played in Jacksonville. And there's some layers to this story. But at the end of the day, it's like Jacksonville. They, like I'm, I'm happy that Jacksonville is opening their arms and giving the Saints their stadium. And, you know, there's not really any home field advantage for the Packers at all there. So it's neutral. But Jacksonville, John, like that, that's kind of a bummer that the, the week one game that's supposed to be in New Orleans in the Superdome is going to be played in freaking Florida. That's that's kind of tough to swallow. Yeah, yeah, it's a really difficult situation. Uh, you know, the Saints are going to have to be road warriors here. They're, uh, they're staying in the Dallas-Fort Worth area, practicing on TCU's campus the next few weeks. Uh, and then they got that home, that quote unquote home opener uh, there in the Jaguar Stadium, oh. um, n- n- neutral site. I, I, I guess that's, that's the most charitable way to spin yeah. it. Yep. Um, they were they were hoping to put, to stay in Dallas, play at AT and T Stadium. Uh, they got big timed um, by this uh, some band's reunion tour, uh, <laughs> and so they, they've got to hit the road again. Um, the good news is they've got a ton of road games early in their schedule. Their next home game is not until October the 3rd. Against the city a month to restore power, restore water, get people safe, and get, get the Superdome ready to uh, host a big crowd. So let's see, see, let's see, how, uh, see how it goes and whether the Saints can roll with these bunches. Yeah, and I think the big date we're looking at is that week four home game against the Giants, right? Because that one, it seems like there's still hope that it could be um, in the Superdome, that New Orleans is back up and running at that point it gives us about a month, as you said there. And uh, but you know, if not, then we're looking at the team going maybe two months without playing a home, an actual home game, if that Week Four game 
isn't played in New Orleans just because of the way the schedule falls and the bye week in week six. So it, it's kind of crazy how this is working out. And if we don't get that home game in week four, uh, we're not going to see the Saints play in New Orleans for like two months. Yeah, it, it, it's a wild story. It, 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 it's, a, it's a really tough situation, really difficult situation um, for the players and their families who are displaced right now, for all the fans who are displaced right now, fans who were home in New Orleans with no power, no, 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 no running water, no AC in, in the middle of the summer. It, it, it's rough for everybody. Yeah. But, you know, the, the, the Saints have talked often this week about uh, being resilient in the, in the face of these challenges and really taking it on the chin and keeping their heads up. And that's something that Sean Payton has talked about, that Demario Davis has talked about, that Teron Armstead has talked about. Um, it's a message the team is really embracing, um, and I, I think it's going to go well for them. They, they, they've battled adversity before, nothing quite like this um, in, in, in quite some time. Um, but they're, they're built to last, they're built to, per, they're built to persevere, um, and I'm optimistic that they'll be able to ride this out. On top of this, we're, you're trying to cover, you know, aside from getting your family back home, you're, you're trying to cover uh, cut-down day. So the Saints get down to their initial 53-man roster, but there's still moves being made as we speak. It's almost hard to talk about specific players because they could move uh, and, and be gone by the time the podcast drops. But um, what were some of your big takeaways from their initial 53? I, I thought, you know, one, one spot I was really paying attention to I thought was cornerback. Uh, and, you know, you had the, the big four that were that initially made the team in Marshawn Lattimore, Ken Crawley, Paulson Adib, Adebo and uh, P.J. Williams. But it seems so you had the big four. That's it for the corners. But it seems like now that number's climbing a little bit. But, uh, you know, what, what stood out to you right now from the initial 53? Yeah, that's really where I've been dialed in at is a cornerback and defensive tackle. Uh, at corner, it's really three and a half players. P.J. Williams, uh, let's not forget, he's played more free safety than corner the last few years. So he's more of a... A reserve, somebody that that would be called in uh, as a last resort. So it's really three. That's more Um, worrisome then. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, not not quite the same we were hoping for there. Uh, But the good news is the Saints have been very active on the practice squad. They brought in two corners. Uh, One of one of them they brought back after initially cutting him. uh, That's Brian Mills. He's a rookie. I spent some time with the the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, He fits the Saints' athletic profile uh, pretty well. He's tall. He's got long arms. He's not very fast. He's more of a zone corner. Uh, they, they can work with that, but he is a rookie. He's got to add, add some muscle. He, he's not going to get thrown into any games anytime soon. So the practice squad is a good place for him. The really interesting fit to me is Kadar Holman. He was a Green Bay Packers, I, I believe he was a draft pick a few years ago. He got traded from the Green Bay to the Houston Texans on uh, on August 23rd. Texans cut him on the 31st uh, yesterday during roster cuts. And the Saints picked him up off of waivers. So they brought him in for an evaluation. They'll have a few weeks to... Yeah, see him in practice, see how he responds, whether he's somebody who they would consider activating uh, here, on, here on a game day. So they've got some flexibility in the secondary. They, they've got some good players at the top. Uh, it's just the depth chart beyond, like, Marshawn Lattimore, and, and they're on down. You know, It's all about whether we believe Ben Crawley is the guy that he's shown uh, here this summer in, in training camp, in, even in preseason, and whether Paul Sonodibo is someone who – you know, you're willing to throw out against Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams in week one. Um, that, that, that's kind of a tough challenge. So uh, I don't think the Saints are done at corner for months and months and months now. They've been calling in just about any team that will pick up the phone, trying to find someone to trade for a, start, a starting quality corner, trying to get help there, trying to replace Janoris Jenkins. It hasn't happened yet. Um, but with roster cuts going on, practice squads being built, uh, players, dozens of players on the move every hour. 
I, I think there's going to be an opportunity somewhere for them to add some help. Um, hopefully it comes before this episode drops. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm sure. Yeah. And, and, and you mentioned the defensive line. I know another position I've been keeping an eye on is wide receiver. Um, I just have a feeling the Saints are going to make another move there. And I saw a lot of people bringing up Rashad Perriman uh, when he got cut loose from the Lions, but he's already been scooped up by the Bears, so he didn't last long. Uh, but, you know, there's, there's some other names out there, like John Brown. Uh, his stint with the Raiders, very short-lived, right? Asked yeah, for Smoke relief. Brown. Yep, he's gone. He's out there. I don't think he's been claimed yet as we speak, but again, by the time this drops, he might be somewhere. So my apologies. Uh, but you know, I feel like they're going to make a move somewhere with Michael Thomas officially being on the pup list. John Brown, maybe. Maybe one of those guys or, or maybe another name like that. You see them making some type of move. I, I feel like they're going to be active. Yeah, I certainly hope so. That, that, that's the drum I've been beating for quite a while now that they need another receiver. Um, the good news is that Deontay Harris was not suspended to start the season like we thought he would be, yeah, as was yeah. widely anticipated uh, with that offseason DUI arrest. Uh, certainly that's coming down the pipeline. It hasn't hit yet. But if you're able to kind of space out his absence with Michael Thomas on the pup list to where you, you're not missing two of your top three receivers at the same time, I, I think that's a pretty good situation uh, for, for the Saints. So if Deontay Harris is available in week one, if Raekwon Smith ends up getting healthy before then gets the green light, returns to work, you know, I, I think that's a group that James Winston can work with, can even thrive with possibly um, against the defense that I'm not too convinced of all, all that in Green Bay. But we'll get into that deep, uh, more in depth next week. Yeah, for sure. uh, But I mean, looking at the depth chart, we got Marcos Calloway, Deontay Harris, fingers crossed. And Traquan Smith, fingers crossed. That, that, that's not a bad one, two, three. You, you can win the game with that lineup. The Saints have won games with some cooler line, lineups to that before. So we'll keep it on the waiver wire. There, there's tons of players. Uh, this wide receiver talent across the league is so strong right now. You know, I think it was the was, it was the Lions that just traded two draft picks for a receiver that the Broncos were going to cut. I think. Yeah. Um, it, it, it's 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 a very hot market. There, there, guys are they're in high demand, and there's it's a very deep talent pool. Uh, I think the Saints are in a good position to find some help. Yeah, I love it. And, you know, this is a position that, you know, I don't like to spend a ton of time on on the podcast, John. You know, just it, it just do your special teams on your own time, I guess, kind of thing. But, uh, you know, Will, <laughs> Will Lutz, we know, has been expected to miss, you know, some some time, at least the first four weeks. And the Saints have a, have a kicker or, or, or a new kicker, I should say. Bring me up to speed on what's going on with the kicker. Uh, so we got Aldrich Rosas, right? Uh, I probably mispronounced his name already. The freaking kicker. Uh, what's no, going on? What's going on? At, awesome. Yeah, what's what's going on at this position? Yes. Yeah, so with, uh, on Wednesday, Aldrich Rosas was waived. Uh, well, no, he, he, he's straight up released. He's a vested veteran. So he, so he he was cut on Wednesday. He is expected to to resign in the next day or two. It's a procedural move, um, so the Saints can kind of shuffle the fifty three man roster around a little bit. They, they're, they're confident no team is going to snap up Rosas while he's away. Uh, from from the team for, for the next 24 to 48 hours, um, they'll be able to return and they they can shuffle some guys into the roster onto the practice squad on the IR or whatever they need to do. Uh, one of the players going to IR soon is Will Lutz. Uh, we know that's going to happen. He's not cleared to return from core muscle surgery just yet. He's going to miss at least three weeks on, on the injured reserve list, possibly more. It just depends on how his body's responding to treatment and, and rehab. Um, but he'll be back in a few weeks. In the meantime, Rosas seems to be the favorite for that position. We'll see if the Saints add someone. There have been some very talented young kickers uh, hitting the waiver wire, getting, getting released across the league uh, here at, at roster cuts. Uh, the name everybody, everyone, all the Saints fans have been watching is Jake Verity, former Ravens kicker. Um, as of as of recording, uh, he is he's not been picked up anybody. The Saints have practice squad spots open. It wouldn't shock me at all if the Saints find a way to bring in someone like him, possibly Verity himself, possibly another. Young guy looking to make, looking to get on NFL radar. 
get him on the practice squad, have him compete with Rosas for the next week, and then take the, the best guy into week one. It wouldn't shock me at all if that's, that's what happens. But as of right now, as of recording, the only kicker on the roster is left, and we know he's going to IR soon. You know, the kicker, it's, it's, it's a sneaky, important spot, right? When, when your kicker sucks, it's like... Oh man, it, it's it's tough to win games. So that's that's definitely yeah. one to monitor for sure. You know, if you if you're looking for a really old guy uh, that could barely kick at 45 yards, you could always grab Nick Folk because the Patriots went with a rookie kicker. Uh, so <laughs> Nick Folk is now available, John. So I don't know if that interests you at all. Um, but I want to play a game of uh, true or false with you. Uh, and this is kind of this is kind of a spicy little topic. Marshawn Lattimore, true or false, gets an extension before Week One of the regular season. Oh, man, yeah, that's spicy. Uh, a, little, a little zesty. Let me think about some, this. Some um, Bayou hot sauce on there right there. Yeah. So, man, so here's my position here. I would like to see it happen. Um, I think it's in everyone's interest to go ahead and get the steal knocked out now because if Lattimore goes out and has a great year, shut down cut the corner all season long, we're going to be here in March asking if it's worth paying him $20 million a year because that's what he's going to be seeking. He's going to be looking for Jalen Ramsey money. He's going to want to be at the top of the market. Um, and I'm not convinced that the Saints are going to be in a position to pay that. So I, I would love to see them go ahead and cut a deal now, see if we can get that um, that average per year number closer to around like 16 or 17 million um, per season. We know that's the range it's going to be in. Uh, just, just his level of play, the, his, the, the comparable players across the league, he's going to be on the high end. The question is whether he's going to be the highest paid corner. And that, that's what this comes down to. So I don't think the Saints will get this done. I think they've earmarked a lot of that money. Uh, right now they've got over $11 million in cap space. And a lot of that, I, I believe, has been earmarked for an extension with Marcus Williams to their franchise tag this year. They weren't able to get a deal done now. I think they're hoping to get it done in the spring once he's eligible. And then they'll work with Marshawn Lattimore. So that, that's just my read on the situation. That, that's my take. I could be wrong. Uh, we'll see how it plays out. But right now, even though Lattimore reportedly wants to get a deal done, I'm not sure that he and the Saints will be able to agree on a number uh, that leaves both sides uh, walking away happy. I mean, we're, we're talking about the quarterback room. I mean, Lattimore has some decent leverage. Like, c- cannot lose that guy. Cannot. So, no. um, gotta, I mean, whether it's now or later, got to figure that thing out for sure. Um, we brought up Michael Thomas earlier, how he landed on the pup list. I was wondering, I want to get John's take on what that means for fantasy football. It's a little bit awkward in fantasy drafts. What, should you take Michael Thomas and stash him? Uh, I'm going to get John's take on that coming up next. All right, John. Michael Thomas, he's on the PUP out the first six weeks. He's still getting drafted in fantasy, though. So uh, I, I'm just guessing, like, do you think he'll be worth the wait, right? Are you buying or selling on Thomas as an early season stash on fantasy rosters? I mean, right now he's getting drafted around the seventh or eighth round of uh redraft leagues and that's right around like number 80 overall or so uh so it that's a tough price right there i'm not sure because if thomas comes back and he struggles like he did last year and he just can never get healthy um you're wasting kind of a valuable pick in that in that area of the draft but what do you think buy or sell thomas coming back healthy after those first six weeks and maybe helping people win their fantasy titles to me michael thomas is someone that when i get into um our saints wire draft uh, tonight <laughs> um, I'll be looking for him uh, yeah yeah we have, we have we have a small little small 10 12 league it's gonna be great like um, good luck yeah 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 I'll be looking for him at, at the turn in like rounds eight nine ten uh, he's someone who I would like to be like my third or fourth wide receiver just so that I have that that first chunk of the season accounted for yep um 
you know, I could understand it if you pick someone early, like a like a Calvin Ridley, who who also has a week six bye, like like the Saints and Michael Thomas. Um, that would that would that might make sense to me there because there, then you're you're not quite double dipping. Um, but I, I wouldn't go in that soon on my, Michael Thomas at round seven. Uh, to me, that that's the point where you're still looking to fill out your starting lineup for for the season. And so, depending on the league, you, you could be looking for your third receiver. You could be looking for your uh, your flex, um, your number two running back, whatever. Maybe some, you know, some uh, some wild fantasy team managers are all, are looking for quarterbacks at, at that range. So there, there's a couple different ways to go about it. Um, me personally, I would not draft Michael Thomas that soon. It wouldn't shock me if someone else does. I'm kind of hoping for it so that players who will be available sooner uh, will be available for me. Yeah, I think it depends on on who's in your fantasy draft. If you're drafting with a bunch of Saints fans, I'm sure Thomas will go in the seventh round at least right someone's gonna grab him earlier but if you're if if you're playing more of like a widespread league with not like not a bunch of saints fans that are gonna gobble him up yeah i could see that and maybe wait not in the seventh round that might be too soon but wait until the eighth or ninth i hear what you're saying so that's maybe that's the strategy i'm gonna take you know for me i'm I'm trying to wait on wide receivers this year john and, and try to scoop up guys later in the draft and you know, if Michael Thomas wants to come back mid-season and be awesome, uh, and you could get him later on in the draft like that, eighth or ninth round, and he ends up bringing wide receiver one numbers, like that could be a sound strategy right there. So that's why I'm kind of interested in him. But it is it is a tough decision. I don't know. You know, it's it's not like there's no straight cut answer. I think there's you know Michael Thomas is going to be a very polarizing player uh, in drafts. There's no doubt about it. Inside and outside of fantasy football. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. There's there's so much to come there. Um, let's move on to sports yeah. betting. I, I pulled up my the typical sports betting app, looking at the odds. I was trying to get the early odds on the Saints Packers game, John. I was going to maybe start a, a quick little initial conversation on that, uh, but it's off the board because you know with the neutral site. So I'm sure those those odds will be back on the board soon with the neutral site in Jacksonville. So I found another one for you that I thought is kind of fun. The winning NFC conference. So that means the conference that produces the NFC champion and representative in the Super Bowl. And I found this interesting. The NFC South and the NFC West, which is the Cardinals, Rams, 49ers, and Seahawks, had the same odds, plus 150. So, you know, the problem with making this bet, I think, John, is that as a Saints fan, if you lose, you, you have to root for the Bucks and, and root for the NFC South if you make this bet. Uh, but which conference do you think is stronger? Entering the 2021 season, which one will produce that NFC champion? The NFC South or NFC West? Which one you buy in and which one are you selling? You know, I think the NFC West is definitely stronger top to bottom. Um, in the NFC South, we got the Bucks, who might be good this year. We got the Saints, who I'm all in on, of course. Right. <laughs> and, of course. And then we have a couple. We have a couple. We have a couple of really sorry, pathetic teams with the Falcons and the Panthers. So um, who, who will never accomplish anything? Um, and then you look to the West, uh, where you had the, the 49ers, who gave me a lot of childhood trauma when the Saints were with them in the old NFC West. Um, don't don't wish them any success, but they are set up for it. They've got a really strong roster. They've got um, a very promising young quarterback. They've got the best play caller in football, uh, not named Sean Payton. They're there in a very good spot to compete. Uh, the Rams they finally upgraded the quarterback, so they're going to be they're going to be in the mix again. And then the Seahawks, so long as they have Russell Wilson, they're going to be competitive. So. I guess that's going to change when he gets traded to the Saints next year, of course. Um, this, this is all in jest, guys. Please, please, please don't go in the Saints subreddit and just, just run wild. I'm not, I'm, 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 
I'm, I'm, I'm ripping here. Uh, but, but no, real, real talk, I do think the NFC West is going to be more competitive than the South. I, I, I'm not ready to see the Panthers compete. I, I know the Falcons are not going to be any good this year. Um, objectively speaking, uh, the NFC South is a two-team race with the Saints and the Bucks. NFC West, it, 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 there's three teams that could compete. Uh, the, Car- the Cardinals also have a good roster. They, they could surprise some people. So I, I think the NFC West could be the most high variance of the two. No, that makes perfect sense. You're you're a very smart man, John. You know, yeah. The NFC South has appreciate two, that. They have two teams, and I think they're they're only even with the NFC West because the Bucks won the Super Bowl last year, right? That's and they have you know they're the second best team. They're the second you know best odds to win the Super Bowl this year behind the Chiefs. So that's probably why they're getting so much love. Um, yeah, I think the NFC West is the is the uh, is the answer. But you know, next week I think I, I think we can start talking about this Green Bay game, what it looks like on a neutral field in Jacksonville. Uh, we were talking before we started recording, John. Like it, e- it easily could have been Dallas, uh, but it ends up being Jacksonville. That's kind of a funny story. Just kind of a kick in the stomach a little bit. Yeah, the Saints have been enjoying playing and uh, practicing at AT and T Stadium in Dallas. The Cowboys very graciously welcomed them in. Uh, well, welcomed them in, and you know, Sean Payton said as recently as Wednesday morning or Tuesday morning that yeah, you know, it's very it's very realistic to see the Saints. Uh, having their quote-unquote home opener in Dallas this year. Uh, and then we come to find out that there is a, a uh, I believe it's Los Bookies, uh concert a few days later, three days later, after the Saints game is scheduled with the Packers in Dallas. And they've already reserved uh, three days of prep time with their contract with AT&T Stadium. Uh, so they big-time the Saints. The Saints were told to get lost, essentially, and they, they got to go to Jacksonville. And play again because NFL rules stipulate they must play in an NFL venue. They can't go to like the Cotton Bowl or some uh, college uh, facility or stadium and play there instead. Uh, so they had to survey the field, see, see which uh, stadiums were available. Jacksonville made the most sense logistically. That's where they ended up. It's just a really convoluted story, very disappointing. I know the Saints would prefer to stay in Dallas. Um, that that was their first choice. It's where they're practicing in Fort Worth. It's at, at, at TCU these next few weeks. It just sort of made more sense all around. Um, but in this case, the, the decision was taken out of their hands. You you literally can't make this stuff up, John. You can't. Uh, like a freaking concert, no. they need three <laughs> days. Come on. No, that's no. That, that's where we're at, though. So, all right. Well, next week, we will, we will talk about that game in Jacksonville a little bit more. Saints-Packers, looking forward to that. Uh, John, glad you and the fam are safe. Um, and always great talking to you, my Appreciate man. Appreciate that. This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week.